0: by your blood, every single one. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you that you've started a good work in each one of us and that you'll take it unto completion, that you won't leave this work incomplete or unfinished. Thank you, mighty God. We thank you that tonight your Holy Spirit will move. Your Holy Spirit will move on hearts and minds and consciences. The past will be erased. Hope will be poured out into each life tonight. We thank you not one of us would leave unchanged tonight, Holy Spirit. We pray you have your will. We give you the floor. We give you the microphone. We give you our ears and our hearts to come and transform us by your word tonight. We love you, Holy Spirit. We worship you. We thank you for coming and meeting us tonight. I want to encourage someone tonight that one of the greatest prayers you can pray is, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Pastor Tony is going to bring the word of God tonight. And if there's anything you're struggling with, let that be your cry. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief and watch God move. Amen. 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 What? Yeah. All right, good evening. Good to see everyone. How are we all? Praise God. Well, welcome. And a special welcome to anyone who's joining us for the first or the second time, if we haven't met you before, a very warm welcome to you. Just a couple of announcements before we get started. So Kids Church is up the back. I think all the kids have left us. So that's for any child who's toilet trained. And if your child isn't toilet trained, you're going to have to keep them in the service or you can hang out in the foyer. Also, there is another church service happening downstairs. So as we leave tonight, just be mindful of that and just Try and keep the volume down, especially as you're walking down the stairs and outside. um, We don't want to disturb them. All right. Who's excited about the Word tonight? Hey, aren't we blessed to have pastors like Pastor Tony and Pastor Rabs who have studied the Word and lived the Word and now get to deliver it in a way that we can receive it and be transformed by it. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome up Pastor Tony. But why don't you stand to your feet and uh, welcome up Pastor Tony. Thanks, Mike.
1: Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, you are God. There's no one like you, creator of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen. you would send Jesus to this world, to your creation, because you loved us. You touch our hearts. That you reveal the mysteries of the kingdom to us. That your love and mercy is larger than life. We thank you, Father, for tonight, that your words are spoken through faith. And every man, woman, and child hears them and receives them with joy. That your joy might be filled and understand that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord over your hearts, over your minds, over your soul. And we declare him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we get to participate in your love and mercy in your kingdom. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen amen you can be seated well bless you guys is a buzzing here for some reason is it too loud okay uh um, welcome if you're new my name's tony um i was probably two minutes of ringing raps to say raps i've got no voice like all week the enemy no sorry raps He <laughs> thought i was calling him but I was two minutes away last night saying, man, I've got nothing left in me. I can't speak. And it was funny. My, I lost my voice on Monday. Well, I was losing my voice on Monday to the excitement of my family. And the more I prayed, the worse it got. And last night I was driving home. It was about 9.30, 10. And I, was about, I was about two minutes of calling Dory and said, help. And the Lord said, it is well. That's all I heard home, had a shower, went to sleep, and now they cut me off. I'm joking. And I woke up this morning with something. So praise God. Who's excited to hear what the Lord's got to say? Amen? You're not excited about what I've got to say. I can't change your life, but Jesus can. Jesus is the lover of our soul. Anything that comes from Jesus, comes from heaven, is to one to edify us, to correct us, to lift us up, that we can manifest who he is. It's no good knowing who, how good we are. It's about who, how good he is. Amen? And tonight's message, a um, little bit of a story about Moses, but it's about, I think the title of the message, is His Way or Our Way? His Way or Our Way? You know, the Bible says this, there's a way that seems right to a man. Now, sometimes we can think that, okay, we know Jesus is Lord. He went to the cross for us. I'm a Christian. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I read my Bible. And with all that, I come to church. I come to fellowship. But I still go do things my way, like that Frank Sinatra song. I did it my way. <laughs> I did it my way. Anyway, we can't say. And that's human, human beings, hum- mankind. But it's either God's way or our way. And let me explain something. If it's our way, it's nothing but destruction. That doesn't mean that everything that we want to do is bad or some things that we do work. But ultimately, if we do it God's way, we will always stay in the will of God. We'll always stay in His love and, and direction of God's will in our life. A lot of people say, you know, it's funny how we can um, get an idea of what I think God wants me to do. It's funny, you know, I've been in ministry 10, 15 years, but I've been saved 20 years. And it's always, and I've done it, so I'm not picking it up. but it's, it's funny how I heard from the Lord. I hear what He say. Well, so-and-so is in sin. I've heard from the Lord that person's not living right. And that may be true. And God does place elders and, 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 and people in that. But it's a lot of the time, it's, but what's God saying about you? I'm not sure. But you were so sure, you heard about the next door neighbor. You were so sure that God brought angels down and did the dub and told you all these revelations. But you can't tell me what God's doing in your life. What's my calling? But hang on. What you're calling, you told me the next one neighbours, friends, cousins, this is ripping off the old. And it's quick that we can know what's right for someone else, but we never ourselves entertain the idea that God is speaking to us. And God is speaking to us. So I pray I share a bit of an analogy here in the story of the Old Testament, that God is speaking to us. He is directing us. And this is an Old Testament story. But in the New Testament, as we know, who's the great teacher that lives in us? The Holy Spirit. So we have, in a sense, an advantage. But sometimes I think it's a disadvantage. It's not a disadvantage, but sometimes I think it is because when we get blessed, sometimes the blessing becomes our curse. Apathy comes in. Um, Familiarity comes in. All these things that we get so comfortable and there's no need to push anymore. But it's what David did in the quiet, worshipping God, writing psalms and singing poetry and praying to God, looking after sheep and then fighting a bear and a lion that tried to kill his sheep when nobody's watching, that it was able to fight Goliath when everybody was watching. See, it's what you do in secret that matters. It's not what I do here that matters. I don't get judged on what I do here because what I do here is anointed by the Holy Spirit. It's what I do in the quiet by myself when none of you guys are watching. I'll give an account for what I do by myself between God, not what I do in front of you guys. That's the same with you. So it's what we do in quiet, what we do in secret. But tonight, I want to share a story. Let's go to Psalm 86, And Dorian's going to help me out. I'm going to sit, guys. I'll get carried away and talk to you loud, and I'll, I won't have a voice. I'm not being lazy, all right? So don't look here, you sitting there. Look at you. He thinks he's a king now. All right. <laughs> I'm joking too, by the way. <laughs> Psalm 86. Verse
0: 11. Verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Keep
1: going. Hi, please, please.
0: I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore.
1: The David's the psalmist he's talking and he's in anguish and he's saying, Lord, I need direction here. Who needs direction tonight? Who needs direct I mean, we all need direction every day of the week. But who needs there's a, there's an issue in your life, you need direction. Only God can give you that direction. I love what he says, he teach me your way. Oh Lord, and I walk in your truth and unite you know my heart to fear your name. In other words, I need to have reverence for the name of God. I need to have that Rab straight on a couple weeks ago, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To have the fear of the Lord is to have that reverence for who God is. We don't treat him as common. We don't treat him as, you know hey bro, how you doing? Yeah, there's a time for that. There's a time where he hugs us. There's a time we sit him as a friend, but ultimately he's our Lord. We bow before him. We have this reverence for the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm the truth. He's the truth. Our hearts are bowed before him. But today we're talking about a story about Moses. And this has been bugging me for about a month. God's been bringing this scripture up in my spirit a lot. So you might say I'm slow in hearing, but I am. Psalm three seven. Psalm 103.7. And we're going to talk about Moses here. If you don't mind, Doris.
0: Psalm and three seven, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel.
1: He made known his ways to Moses. In other words, Moses knew the way that God operated. But Israel only saw the acts. Israel saw that they were in slavery for 430 years. He comes a deliverer, Moses. They saw, wow, he has put blood on the doorpost. We know the story. They got out of Egypt and they got to the Red Sea and then Pharaoh is coming, and then he, sp- he splits the sea. They saw all the, oh, we've got no water. He hits the rock, the water comes out. Oh, we've got no meat, quails fall. Oh, we've got no um, bread, manna from heaven. They saw the acts of God. In other words, they saw the, the benefits of God, but no, Moses knew the ways of God. In the New Living Translation, it says it like this. and you Don't go there, I'll, I'll just read it. It says, he revealed his character to Moses, and his deeds to the people of Israel. So to know God is to understand his character. We can get the Bible, guys, and look at it. You know, I often say sometimes people read the Bible like you drive on a GPS. You put the, the, the address in and you drive. And as you're driving, you can go left, go right, 100 meters, the roundabout, go you know, this and that. And you can get to your destination and not even know how you got there. You just followed the GPS. But if I was to take the GPS off you, you couldn't get back. Uh reverse sensors now. I was talking to someone about this today. We have become so um dependent on technology, no one knows how to reverse a car and park it without hitting another car because the, it didn't beep. Hello, didn't you see the bumper bar? Like and we lose that. What are you laughing at? You lose that. Um I'm, I didn't look at women only, I was just talking to everyone, all right. My wife's just had a go on me, all right. All right. And excess is a thousand dollars in a remain and uh, no joke. But we lose that ability to have our natural senses to drive a car. Let's, let's be honest. People say, oh man, I can't drive without a, uh, a sense. I can't drive with it. Why? Because we're so dependent on the directions or the, the senses. And sometimes we have been spoon fed, especially here in Australia, with the gospel, and we don't spend not one minute with God to find out what he is saying to us. Leadership is important. I'm going to show you how true leadership and false leadership can destroy. And I'm going to share this just to touch on it. It's not my message. So I want to know the ways of God. I want to know the characters of God. They saw Jesus said, show us the Father. He said, all this time I've been with you and you still don't know the Father? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's saying you've seen the character that God's inside me because I never do I only do what I see my father do. When you see Jesus, you see God. When you love Jesus, you love God. You can't please God unless you know Jesus as Lord. Amen. The character and the nature of God, people don't want to hear God's word or don't want to listen to God because they think God hates them or they think God's just judgmental. Or they've seen God through the eyes of religion or the eyes of legalism or the eyes of a a hypocrite Christian. Or they see God through the eyes of the world. I had a guy tell me once, if there was a God, why is there so much suffering in the world? How come there's so many people dying of poverty in the world? How many diseases in the world? And he went on with the whole list. And I sat there and I said, so you think that if God was real, that wouldn't happen? He goes, no. He goes, where did you get that idea from? Because your Bible says God is good. I said, Well then my Bible also says that you sinned and a curse came upon the earth. I said, But let's just take what you said. Let's just say that our God is supposed to be good in your eyes and people dying. And there's people starving. And he brought up, you know, people starving in Africa and all these countries. I said, Yeah. I said to him, if you have a look at every country in the world, and I'll challenge anyone to do this. The easy one is to say Africa and we can go to, we sent money to Bangladesh, you know, during the COVID, they were eating rice. They didn't have much rice. They had no food. And Rabs was telling me they were putting rubber pellets, rubber in the rice just to fill their stomach. kids were eating that. So there's poverty everywhere. The Bible says poverty is a curse. But if you have to look at all that and have a look around Africa and and India and Bangladesh, and you go around the world, at the moment, you go around the world. And every one of those countries that has poverty isn't because it's God's fault. It's because corrupt, corrupt leadership, criminal leadership, uh, selfish leadership have destroyed. The richest nation in the world is Africa. They've got the most resources in the world and they've got the greatest poverty line. And I said to him, what if that government wasn't corrupt? America right now... Throw out enough food to feed the world so they can keep the prices down. Otherwise, there'd be too much wheat, too much grain, too much food on the world. And it plays with their prices. So if they can hold it, you know, a grain might be $100 a kilo. Now it's $500 a kilo, whatever. They do it on purpose to keep the market. Is that God's fault or is that man's fault? You know, years ago, there was a guy, he was digging wells and these certain uh, in, uh, villages in South Africa and, and around the world, but South Africa was the main one. My wife and I used to watch him. Back then it was $4,500. $4, you would dig a, a well to get clean water because what they do, they drink, they wash and, they, and all the water from the sewer. There's no clean water. They said, we need to stop this. So he, he came up with an idea. They drilled, they found water, put a pump, and they had fresh water. It stopped the death toll, the sickness toll, the disease toll by 98%. So just having clean water to drink, clean water that God provided, you stopped the death toll. No medicine, no food, no doctors, nothing. Just water. And it stopped the death toll by 98%. Four thousand five hundred dollars in this room now. If I was to say let's collect four or five thousand dollars, I know how generous you are. We could do it in three seconds. And we, you're not just saving three or four lives; villages of people, mountains of people. And I said to him, "So why don't you go over there, stop blaming God, and give him one dollar? Let's collect a dollar each, and let's save ninety-eight percent of those kids that are dying." And I can I go on with him. I said, because your idea is that God is not good. Whenever there's a disaster, a flood, what do they say? Huh? Or it's an act of God. Insurance company says, if it's an act of God, we can't pay you. If there's a flood, it's crazy. But sometimes we see God like that. Well, it's God's will. Really? You sowed those many evil seeds all your life, haven't repented once, and now you're eating the fruit of it. Well, it's God's will? No, it's not. God loves us. Can everyone say, God loves us. See, if we understand that God is love and he loves us, then he he has nothing else but good for us. Does that mean we'll always get good in our life or no obstacles? No, it doesn't. God is trying to teach his people. Here, Moses now, the Bible says he knew his ways, but the children of Israel saw his acts. Why did God know his ways? Was God, uh, was, uh, sorry, Moses know his way. Was Moses special? Was Moses special? Moses had a lot to lose, guys. Moses grew up in the palace. He grew up in Pharaoh's palace. He had a maid. And God used him to be the deliverer. But then he killed, he saw uh, an Egyptian mistreating uh, uh, an Israelite, so he killed him, defending his own. The next time two Israelites are fighting and he tried to break them up, he's, What are you going to do to me? Kill me too? And Moses got scared that he'd been found out. He thought no one knew. And he ran 40 years in the backside of the desert. And then God says, Now, now, Moses, you're ready to go back and free my people. And he goes back. Now he's standing in front of the most powerful man in the world at that time. And so let my people go, what? Moses we used to share a bed together. You're a Hebrew, you're a scumbag. Look at your people. If you read between the lines, Moses came one after plague after plague. But what was it that Moses had that they didn't have? Because it wasn't, Moses had a lot to lose, but he wasn't no one special. In, in Exodus 33, 11, it says that, I want to take this slow because the lord would speak to moses face to face as one speaks to a friend and a lot of the times we forget that moses was a friend of god we love abraham as a friend of god we sing songs abraham he was a counter to abraham as righteousness and he was called a friend of god we see god spoke to abraham be here we know that sorry abraham when you're going to destroy Sodom and gomorrah he says the lord if you find 50 righteous would you just still destroy it because all right i won't couldn't find 50 righteous. If you find 40 righteous, you won't destroy. He goes, okay, find me 40. Couldn't find 40. What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? Couldn't find 10. I wish Abraham said, what about one? I think by the time, by the time they got to 10, I think Abraham said, no, there's no one righteous. He wouldn't have destroyed it because he spoke to God face to face. In other words, not a physical face to face. They had a relationship with God and they were instructed by God and they could ask God things. If you read the whole story of this account, it's amazing. Moses sought fellowship with God. You know, as Christians today, you hear a lot from this ministry, spend time with God, spend time with God, spend time with God. You know, the the most famous scripture when I got saved was, if you need something, God will provide it, which is true. Seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and all these things to be added. Who loves that scripture? Who who puts it on the sticker at their car? But no one likes the chapters before it. it says, when you fast, <laughs> when you pray, when you give, when you forgive. Everything we don't want to do, I don't want to forgive him. I don't want to give him nothing. That's my money. I work hard. Says, I don't want to fast. Oh, come on, man. Everything that's hard. Because if you do those steps that God showed you, when you fast, when you pray, when you give, and when you forgive, and there's other things, you know, do not worry and all that then seek the kingdom of God because by that time you've purged you and it's about him. We want to go straight to the kingdom of God and righteousness. Why? Because we want to be blessed. We want to be children of Israel. We want to see the benefits without having the relationship. We want to get the benefits but we don't want to have that time with him because sometimes the benefits will hurt you. Amen? Amen? I love the fact that Moses had a, a revelation if, if Rebs and I do not spend time with God, we can't hear what God wants to do through us because it's us first, then my family, then the church. Yeah? Our job is to lead you. Our God is to impart what God wants. If you call this home, if you, if you don't call this home, you're more than welcome and you, we love you guys. and we're not for, But if you call this home, you're starting to think that there's a direction, that's why I'm placed here. God's put me here for a reason. It could be for a season or could be for long term. But whatever, God, that's between you and God. But we're going to lead you down through these last days and these end times. And this could mean anything um, going forward. It's interesting when Moses went to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and he left the leadership or in control with his brother Aaron. And Moses delayed, the Bible says, he delayed. Guess what happened? Well, we don't know what's happened to Moses. Maybe he's not coming back. What happened? They built a golden calf. Started drinking, making to this golden calf. And saying, Aaron, we need to do this now because we have to worship God. They built a golden calf and they worship it and they called it God. That was that. What's what hurt God the most. He says to Moses, go down. They've just built a golden calf, which he knew they would do because they came out of Egypt. They knew pa- pagan and, and idolatry. They knew all that. But then they made the calf and said, this is God, Jehovah, that took us out of Egypt and reduced God to a golden calf. And Aaron was supposed to be in charge. Hey, thank God you have leadership that aren't going to waver. Thank God you have leadership that aren't going to give in to what the people want. They wanted golden calves. They wanted sacrifices and offerings and they'll do all other things. But there's a lot of kids here today. We can't tell you. And they did. And the Bible says it was an abomination to him. Aaron, what are you doing, mate? You don't come under anyone. You ask God where to come under. Amen? I thank God I had great leaders growing up. I've heard horror stories. I haven't had horror stories in church. But I've heard some horror stories. And it's important to know that God's experience was very important with uh, Moses and God's experience because God wanted to destroy the whole of Egypt, Israel. He said, you know what he says? Let me read it for you. Exodus 32. He'd gone up to the mountain to give you a backdrop. And he, he took a time. They didn't know he's bringing down Ten Commandments. He just went up to see God. He's delayed. We don't know what's happened to him. He's probably not even coming back. You know what he's done? He's knocked off the gold and he's built a house in Miami Beach. He's not coming back. That's what they would have thought. And they did the golden calf. And then he goes, go back down and see what they've done. Look what he says. Uh Exodus thirty two nine, sorry. Come on, Dorian.
0: And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff necked people. Next verse Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation.
1: God says you know what let's wipe them off the planet and Moses I'll start a new nation with you by yourself what a decision he goes up God reveals ten commandments never been revealed before God reveals his nature and character through the ten commandments remember we said two tablets there wasn't five and five it was six and four there was two laws loving God and then loving people he comes down And they do this debattery and this disgusting abomination to God. And God says, you know what? He calls them stiff-necked people. You can translate it, full of pride, envy, malice, hatred, jealousy. He didn't say, well, poor people, they've been in slavery for 400 years. No, he called them stiff-necked. I like that word, stiff-necked. And he says to them, I'll destroy them and I'll start a new nation through you. Wow, but look what Moses says. Moses looks to God and says, "Because the Bible says that Moses is the meek, meekest person in the Bible, other than Jesus, he was known as the meekest person." Now, meek doesn't mean weak. Meek just means humble, full of strength, full of integrity. Um, Jesus was that. Jesus was not weak. Jesus says, "Love you," but people mistake weakness. Or meekness for weakness. It's not. Moses had the, the heart for God, but he had a heart for his people. You know, the meeting, I wrote this down. It, meekness, Moses had a heart. He was so meek, he had a heart for his people. He was humble, but strong in spirit. Jesus was the meekest man that ever lived. Moses, the first thing he does is he says, Lord, and he's going to, he prays a prayer. Look at this prayer he prays. Exodus, exodus 33 13 to 15. I want you to hear this is in the amplified Moses now is, is caught with a decision that he he's probably freaking out saying all I've heard was whinging and complaining from these people I come out of Egypt you're not satisfied I fed you you're not satisfied I gave you water you're not satisfied Pharaoh was going to kill us he opened the sea not satisfied Miracle after miracle after miracle after your clothes didn't wear out. All you do is wind and wine, rah, rah, rah. And we finally get somewhere. We finally get up to the top of the mountain. And I see God. He's willing to talk to me, to bring down a law and and to and, and show us his nature and character. And look at the thanks you give me. Any other leader would say, Take him out, I'm had enough. But look what Moses says. Thirty three verse thirteen. Exodus.
0: I'll just read it on my phone. Now, therefore, I pray pray you, if I have found favour in your sight, let me know your ways so that I may know you, becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with you, recognising and understanding your ways more clearly, and that I may find grace and favour in your sight. And consider also that this nation is your people. And the Lord said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest by bringing you and the people into the promised land. And Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with me, do not lead us up from here.
1: Wow. Moses prayed that prayer, if you read it in the Amplified. He's saying, I'd rather die in the desert with your presence than go into the promised land without you. God had said, I'm not going. These stiff-necked people, God judged them. Some did get judged and die. But Moses stood in the gap. The great, the meekest man, listen to me, the meekest man in the world in that time was Moses. And he said, they've given me hell, but Lord, I'll intercede for them. Please, please, let me stand in the gap. But I'd rather be in the in the wilderness than into the promised land without you. God wasn't going to go with them. He's going to send an angel. He says, no. You know, in... um. It's amazing. In Matthew 11:29, 29, I'll, I'll read it, Dorian. Matthew 11:29. 29, it's only short. But Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly, which means I'm meek in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus came to seek and save those which are lost. Jesus had all authority given unto him. He was the creator of heaven and earth. He, all things were created through him, and he came to his creation. He says, but i will come to save their soul. I'll stand in the gap even though they don't understand what they're doing. Even though they perverted my word. Even though I'm going to stand in the gap. And that's what Moses did. That's why Jesus was the meekest man. They deserve judgment and he stood in the way of judgment. What about you and me? Do we point the finger as soon as someone does something wrong? Or someone falls? Or someone's not living up to our expectation? Or are we meek in heart? Because the Bible says here that Moses if he didn't have a relationship with God, they were destroyed. This is a type of intercession. This is a type of Isaiah 53 when Jesus makes intercession for us. Why? He went to the cross for us. Moses stood in the gap for the children of Israel and he prayed and said, Lord, I'm willing to give it all up for these people, but let's stay here as long as you stay with us. How many people are willing to lay everything down just to make sure God's presence is with you? Or let it go so you can have the things of this world. That's the decision we're making. Moses was freaking out because they had done that. And I had, if you're writing notes, point number one. Do you want to know God for God or do you want to know God to get stuff from God? What is your motive to know God? I believe everyone's motive comes differently. If I'm sick and I don't need Jesus as Lord and my Saviour, I've seen people come, What's this Jesus rubbish? And get healed. Now they're believers and they're serving God. I know people that are broke that came. There's different ways to coming, but ultimately, once you've had an experience with God, we can't say that blind Bartimaeus just wanted to know Jesus because he was a top bloke. He was blind. True. True. But. We, 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 wherever way you came to know Jesus, and if you don't know Jesus tonight, you have that experience. First and foremost, we need to know Jesus as Savior because we have sinned against Him and we deserve hell. It's not politically correct, but it's true. You know, political correctness is like taking an x ray of someone's got cancer and say, it's only just a cyst, don't worry about it. And the guy dies. My words mean nothing. The Bible is true. But when Jesus came, He says, I didn't come into the world to condemn it. You're already condemned. Came in the world to save it. Amen. We're gonna stand in the gap because what do you know wanna know God for? Now I'm talking to people in this, you know, in this congregation, I've known for a long time. We're on a journey, we don't know always where we're going. But I want you to know: are you seeking God for God or are you seeking God for what you can get out of Him? If the only time I have a relationship with you is to get something from you, I've treated you no different than a prostitute. And some people prostitute the Word of God just to get something from God. But God, His loving kindness puts people in our way to bring us to Him. We have the Holy Spirit now. In this time, Moses was the mediator. Moses wanted to know God more than what God could give him. They were in slavery. They're in the wilderness now. But there's a land flowing with milk and honey and they can't wait to get there. And you know what? I don't care without your presence, God, I don't want to go, but you know other than Joshua and Caleb, if you read the story all that all that generation died in the wilderness, you know that? No one entered the promised land except Joshua and Caleb, and I'm guessing his family it doesn't say that, but I'm guessing the family they, did, they wanted what God would give them, but they never wanted the relationship with him. You know, sometimes we can get to a place where we start off well, we start hearing from God, and then things go south when things go wrong. You know, I coached the footy team yesterday, and we practiced all week, the last two, three weeks. It's a one-off game, and um, um, and we practiced all week to do this, 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 and we put scenarios in place. But the minute things went wrong, and the minute things went not to plan, and there was a bit of opposition, a bit of pressure, a bit of adversity, they revert back to old habits. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We stop listening to the call. We stop hearing the voice. And Israelites did that. See, Israel was stiff-necked people. They were selfish. They were hard of heart. But they were treated like slaves and very cruel. But they had a victim mentality. They clung on to their victimhood. And they looked for God to remove all their discomfort all the roadblocks, everything that was harsh. They wanted God to do it all for them. And God was trying to teach them character. God was trying to teach them, trust me. The manna from heaven wasn't just to fill their belly. The manna from heaven was to say that, get enough for one day. But nah, man, let's just get enough for two, three days just in case there's none tomorrow. And God's saying, no, no, get enough for one day. If you get more than you need, it's going to go moldy. And that's what happened. People that gathered a lot went moldy. And God was why wouldn't you just make it last for a week? Because God wanted them to know you've been in slavery for 430 years. You don't know what it's like to be free. But I want you to trust me as your provider. The only one that fed you was Pharaoh. but now I'm going to feed you every day if you trust me. And don't get more than you need because tomorrow I want you to get up in the morning and there be manner again. But no, they gather up more for themselves. We gather up more because we don't trust Him. No matter what God gave them, they'll never satisfied. They'll never satisfied. Because they're always seeking the wrong things. Point number two. If you have a victim mentality, you'll never be satisfied. I often say it this way. Slave mentality and a victim mentality. A lot of the times, slavery, in those days was physical slavery, but you could be slave to sin, slave to a lot of addiction, slave. But slavery is you being robbed of your identity and your authority, but victimhood is that I've left the prison and I've still got the keys to myself. Because I want to remember you don't know. See, victimhood can never be satisfied. It has to be healed. It even has to be repented of. You know, I used to feed, uh, I went out with my brother law years ago to feed homeless and I've, we fed the homeless with um, in the city a few times and we went to Brazil and fed the homeless. But I remember going out and I was excited to feed the homeless. These poor people, can't wait. I want to bless them with the Lord. And my sister-in-law used to make this um, rice and chicken, rice and chicken. And they used to buy pizza. And I got there, and it was Saturday morning. And the people that would come to eat were homeless and people that were mentally ill, that living on the street, and people that were on drugs that knew where to get a feed. And it wouldn't matter who came. And what they used to, they used to feed them, then they used to preach the gospel, and, with, and they'd lay hands on people, and God would do miracles. And I went there once or twice, but I remember the second time I went, I brought the pizza out, and one of them says, You got any Mexicana? It's not what I thought I'd hear from a homeless man. And then they brought out the Reza Jez, or the right, what do you call it? I don't know, Jez, you know? Chicken on a rice, or a rice on a chicken. He goes, I'm not this again. Bro, you're homeless. You're living under a tree. That's what I thought. I didn't say that. But can I understand that those Israelites are in slavery for 430 years, and God didn't say, you poor things. He said, you stiff-necked, proud, arrogant. You can't appreciate what's happening. And people always get this idea, I want to feed the homeless, I want to do this and that, until they go out and see how arrogant they can be and how ungrateful they can be and how they expect it. And you know what you find the most? And I feel sorry for them, I'm not condemning them. I'm just saying this is humankind. They walk in a victim mentality or a slave mentality. In other words, they've been freed, they hear the gospel, they get freed, but that's what they carry the keys to the cell and they're ringing them every five minutes. I have to say, victim people want to be satisfied i'm a victim you don't know what's happened to me and they go all right that person has done this to me and that person might say sorry see see he said sorry and they eat off that and you know what it just gets the victim spirit gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and you can never satisfy a victim spirit because it comes from the enemy it comes from the flesh it has to be chopped off repented of and healed israelites had a victim mentality they saw the way the, the wonders of god They saw the miracles of God. This is, I'm afraid, what's coming to the church. We've seen miracles. I've seen, I can write a book on miracles. And I know people have had the miracles. And I shared this a couple weeks ago. And they're not even church today. They've seen things more than some people here have seen. Why? They saw the ways of God. Sorry, they saw the acts of God. They saw the the benefits of God. They just didn't know who God was. It does not satisfy you. The Bible says miracles are a signpost to Jesus. They're for the non-believer. The world can, the world can shape your worldview. You might have grown up. I've met some dysfunctional people coming out of dysfunctional families, and it breaks your heart. I thought I'd come out of a one, until I've met other people, and I thought, wow, I'm was paradise compared to what they've been through. And yes, how you grew up, where you grew up, and what environment you grew up, you can shape your worldview. This guy said to a preacher once on the street, "Uh, you're preaching Christianity because you believe it's right because you live in America. America is a Christian nation and everyone's a Christian here. And he goes, well, let me argue with you one second. He goes, 30% of people in America right now confess they're Christians. So Don't tell me it was fundamentally a Christian nation, but right now only 30% confess they're Christians. And yes, your environment doesn't have a lot to do with your upbringing, but it's not the be on end all because... When the, when, the, when the slave traders in America were working the black slaves and whipping them and that and these guys were Christians going to church but a black guy couldn't go to his church and, and the black slaves were looking at these Christians so-called Christians were whipping them and making them work like dogs and the black slaves were singing to Jesus about he's going to deliver them you would think then that a man that's got me in slavery who's a Christian I would never long be a Christian they didn't allow their world view be based on where they were. They allowed the truth of God's word to be in their heart. And it's not because, yeah, we do grow up in an environment, but if we stay slaves, we stay victims, we stay broke and never be satisfied, you'll never enter the promised land. You know, Jesus is our promised land. I write here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I'll let the girls catch up. Oh, AJ. Sorry, AJ. No, they pick everything you say. But well, let the intelligent one go to the Second Corinthians chapter 5. Where's Christine? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new. A new old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. If anyone be in Christ. He is a new creation. If you look that word up in the Greek, it says a new species. Like man is a species, uh, a, a dog is a species, a fly is a species. Man came from Adam. When Jesus went to the cross, He killed the Adam race, the Adam species. And if any man be in Christ, is a new species on this earth. Never live. The minute you gave your life to Jesus, the blood washed you. The minute you repented of your sin, he remembers your sin no more. And he puts the spirit of God on the inside of you. Old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. You can't stay where you were. You're carrying the keys to the cell. You're carrying the victim mentality. And you're not knowing his ways. Because if I want to come to you for advice, and the only advice I want is what I want you to tell me I'm a victim. But if I come to you saying, "Open, I'm an open Lord. Show me what you are." All things have passed away. If you have sought after God's heart, you'll know God's ways. Sometimes His ways is the hard way. Some roads are different. We're blessed. I'm not saying that our blessing is right now living in this country. It's trying to steal it from us. Our freedom. So don't don't ever be um, take it for granted. See, when God blesses you, it's for a reason. He first loves you. Secondly, it's for the kingdom. If we are satisfied just for what God gives us, we will become malnutrition in the spirit because it's all about what can I get? Why is this happening to me? Lord, Lord, Lord. And, and there's never a time, Lord, what is your will for me? If I understand God's will for my life, Nothing's going to change it. What God spoke to me 20 years ago, what I'll be doing, like where, where, here, what, what, sorry, what God put on my heart 20 years ago, what I'll be doing has not changed. I've decided to do it my way along the way, trying to make it work, and it's been wrong. Some things are good, some things are bad. But what He actually spoke to my heart is still there 20 years later. Nothing's changed. Go and seek to save the lost. Win the fathers, win the family, win the family, win the nation. We joke about it because I say it every week. God spoke to my heart because if you win the fathers, you win the family. You win the family, you win the nation. What's the greatest attack on the family today? Fatherhood. Talk, spoke to my heart 20 years ago. You think I understood what that meant 20 years ago? No. Now, I've gone in the way and I've tried to do things my way, but everything's been a journey because the greatest thing about God's grace, even if I mess up, he dusts me off when I repent. When I confess my sin, he grabs me. It puts me straight back on track. Isn't he a good God? Isn't he a good God? Now the journey back sometimes is hard because of me, not because of him. And sometimes his instructions to you is not easy, but it's right. Israelites couldn't get to the promised lands. They sang about it. They prayed about it. They wrote about it. They prophesied about it. And when they got, when they were the ones to get out of Egypt, guess what? They all died in the wilderness and missed out. Moses sought God we as New Testament believers have to seek the heart of God because if you don't seek the heart of God if I'm not in God's presence I'm not standing before God in His presence even if He doesn't tell me anything He's told me a lot if I don't come into His presence even if I don't know what to do I stay in his presence I'm no longer in the presence of the enemy or the presence of the spirit of the world you may not be sinning and you may not be doing anything wrong but you got this oppression I don't know what to do and the thoughts come back and the pressures of this world and the cares of this world come to you and sometimes it's not about even praying or that; it's about just stepping out and saying no devil I'm in his presence when Judah cried out for his brother Joseph they were going to kill him Judah cried out because no Let's just sell him. Let's not kill him. Judah means praise. Every time you get in a dark place, lift up holy hands and be like Judah and praise. Judah means praise. When you don't know what to do, praise him. Have a heart of thanksgiving. Third point. Don't allow the blessings to become your curse. Don't allow what God's blessed you with. To be the very thing that, you, that entangles you. Don't allow the freedom God has given you and the, the favor God's put upon you to distract you from Him. It's interesting. When they left Egypt, and I thought this is very interesting. They left Egypt, and the Bible says, everyone's ringing me. Who's ringing me? The Bible says that they took the wealth of Egypt. Cattle and, sorry, maybe we stole it. Uh, um, the wealth of cattle, the wheat, everything. But they took the gold and the silver. That's like saying right now, someone went who's, who's a world power today? You reckon? Let's say China. USA, China, whatever. England. And You said, that's it, you're gone, and we're getting all. And you took all the wealth, the money, the silver, the gold, the resources, and you took it, and you left. They had it all. And now, like I said, Moses went to the mountain, and they decide to build a golden calf because they think Moses is dead. The Bible says, listen to this, I don't know how much gold they have, bro, but the Bible says they made a golden calf just from their earrings. Just from their earrings. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me today, says, because the blessing became a curse because they stopped hearing. They stopped hearing and they wouldn't wait on Moses anymore and they did it their way. The very blessings, the gold, they they had more gold because later on he says, take all the gold off because I didn't want the next gold that's around their neck to destroy their heart. As it turns out, it destroyed them. They made a golden calf. Now, no one knows how big that golden calf was But if you want to mold it and melt it, and that must have been big. But out of earrings. First of all, how many people was there? Some people say there's only 100,000. No way. And how much gold did they have? If you can make a gold statue just out of earrings, and I swear the Bible, when I read that today, the Lord says because the blessing was hanging off the ear, and guess what? The blessing stopped them hearing what God was doing, and they end up into idolatry and into fornication and into the abomination. Don't let the blessings bring you your curse. Bless me so much hearing that. If God blesses you for a new job, praise him for it. If you know it's God, praise him for it. But are you looking, where can I bless from that job? I love Paul says, bless. ask God to bless you, so He can bless others. The Bible says, no need to bless a brother that can pay you back. Even the heathens do that. Go bless someone that can't pay you back. I'm not... This is not a giving message. I don't want your money. Well, if you want to give it, I'll take it. No, I'm joking. But it's about a heart to give. It's about a heart because a stingy heart is a stiff-necked people who I deserve everything. You don't know what I've been through. I don't know what you've been through. But Jesus does, and he gave his life for you. See, Moses now comes down, and he sees this, and, and, and it breaks your mind. It says, God and his ways, his character, is worth seeking. And when we pursue him, every desire we have will be fulfilled. It might not be fulfilled in your timeline. I've learned one thing. If God wants to bless me, he'll do it his way. There's two things we do as Christians. We're impatient or we we don't believe for stuff. We're either impatient and say, I want it now, I'm or I stop praying. And God says, I want you to believe for that. But if I'm spending time with him, I'll know his instructions. I'll know what to do. I'll know what to say. i know where to go. Rabs were talking with me about work and that, and we, uh, we run a business, we, and we can get entangled with, with different options. And Rabs had a word, said, this said just be careful, you know, this and that. And that week someone offered me this. I said, no. Nah. I was jumping for joy. I said, no, nah, I'm not taking that job. Thank you very much. What a, what a disaster that would have been. It wasn't just the money. It, was, it didn't look like it was, wasn't anything great. But I'd rather trust him than trust my ways. I'd rather trust him as my provider than to get entangled with something. And that job became a disaster and no one got paid and it was just a disaster. Because he got instructions and I heeded the instructions but I didn't allow the blessings to block my ear so I wouldn't hear. And, And this might not mean much to most people here but to me it means a lot because we need to be people that are instructed by God himself. Amen? You need to understand that your walk with the Lord is so precious to God. Your walk of the Lord one-on-one to understand his ways. You know, we all love now to come and sit and break scripture down. It's awesome, fellowship. But are you asking God to show you your steps? The Bible says, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And more than ever, we need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit more than ever. What you were contending with today is not, it's not new devils. It's that it's just so out there now. They just opened, they've just pulled back the sheet and they said, look what's going on here. But God is in control, amen. God is in control. And I want to finish with this. Hallelujah. Moses knew the ways of God. Israel knew the acts of God. And I want to say this to you. Right now in this room, you can know him. You can be taught by him, the Bible says, Jesus himself. You can have a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You can be guided into all truth. But You need to understand one thing. For me right now, in my early days, I wanted revelation. I wanted the power of God. And, 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 and by God's grace, I don't know why, but he allowed us to move through all of those things. And there was a song I heard years ago. Never going to find it. It was sung by uh, Lenny in the Blank. And I heard this as a country song. It's gospel. And he's saying the verse first This is my desire to honor you. Lord, uh, this is my desire to honor you. And all I want to do is worship you. And I remember at that time thinking, God, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. There's more to do. People are dying, people are sick, people. And there's a need out there, isn't there not? There's a need out there. But if I'm not right, the need will consume me. My pastor said many years ago, the very people you love today are the very people you're gonna hate later if you're not right in the heart. The very people I want to help today. Because it takes a special type of grace to feed the homeless every day. a special type of grace to lead a church every day. a better type to lead your family. You need to be graced by God, anointed by God in that area. But he said, This is my desire just to honor you. I can be in His presence any time, whether I sinned or not. Why? I can come in and get healing and get deliverance. Jesus is our desire. The Old Testament, we're looking for a promised land. Jesus is our promised land. It It was a place, now it's a position. God will do what He wants with Israel, but I'm saying for us, we're in Mount Zion already. We're in heavenly places already. They were looking for life. Jesus is the source of life. They were looking for love and Jesus is the lover of our soul. Hallelujah. They were looking for deliverance. And Jesus is the deliverer. And I want to say something to you. If you would give him that time, don't give up. And the flesh is strong. It wants to pull you out of prayer. It wants you to pull you out of that place. I'm not saying law, pray. I'm saying just get into his presence. It's not that hard if you desire him. But if you don't desire him, it's a chore. Can we stand? I love you guys. Sorry that I'm scratchy. scratchy. I didn't think I could sit that long. Have you got it? Oh, if you got it, do you mind play? Well, this is the song I heard years ago. Like I said, I'm not a country boy. But I heard this song. I, just, I was ready to hear the words, if they've got the right one. And then we'll close off in prayer. But just in this moment, I want you to understand. What God's blessed you with is yours. Grab it with both hands. But understand who gave you the blessing, who the blesser is, and where to bow your heart before. Don't let it own you. You rule. Someone said to me, money is a great servant, but a terrible master. This is it, beauty. Turn it up. Loud you. Uh-huh.